0: All right, just in case we're already going live, I want to make sure to welcome you to a live version of the More to the Story podcast, where I have three guests who are going to talk about a very important topic, something that has been heating up, not just on social media, but but I think something that we need to discuss, and when I found out about this information that we're going to discuss about music and worship, I realized pretty quickly that this was something significant, and I needed to lean into some of my friends. Hence, we are here live on Facebook, and this will make its way to a podcast streaming area near you soon into YouTube and the like. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Wesley Biblical Seminary, where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. And we've recently just announced that we are approved by the Global Methodist Church to not only just train future ministers there, but also for their course of study. So if somebody is uh, looking to serve in the Global Methodist Church, we have an easy on-ramp for you to get involved with that to get the education you need. Secondly, this is brought to you by Bill Roberts, who is a financial planner. You can find out more about his information at williamhroberts.com. He's been like one of my first sponsors to this podcast, so thankful for the way he helps people work through their retirement planning and all those type of things. And finally, I hope you could check out my website, andymilleriii.com. That's Andy Miller, III, where I have some free resources available. One, it's called Five Steps to Deeper Teaching and Preaching. And you could probably even use it for, for uh, thinking about music and worship as well. But I'd love for you to check that out. I'd love to send that to you so you can sign up for my email list. But that's not probably why you're here. You're here because I teased this a little bit, and maybe you're my friend on Facebook and you're checking this out or finding it later. But there was a very interesting article that came out for I Saw It First in Christianity Today last week. It said, How Beth is titled, How Bethel and Hillsong Took Over Our Worship Sets. And it oh. describes how some of the top CCLI songs all come from the same four mega churches. Now, I need to think about this and so w- the reason I have brought these three guys is they're going to help me think about that. I have john Dr. Jonathan Powers, who serves as a professor at I almost at Wesley Biblical Seminary, uh but at Asbury Theological Seminary and is the general editor of the new hymnal in the Wesleyan tradition, the Pan-Wesleyan tradition, um called what is it called? Our praise. Yeah. <laughs> I Praise. You can find that at seedbed.com. And one of the songs in there, at least one of the songs in there, is by my friend Phil Leger, who's been on my podcast before, as has Jonathan. And you can find Phil, who's at a conference right now, who just had a new song released. You can find out about that at Leger.net. Is that good, Phil? Is that good intro?
1: Perfect, man. Perfect. And
0: then maybe one of the first contemporary christian artists that i ever knew and praise and worship leaders that i knew and i can still sing his songs right now so delighted that that randy Bonifield, who is with us who is at christ community church and e-free church in the kansas city area and he also teaches at mid-american college guys welcome to the podcast
2: thank you thanks for having us thanks David.
0: all right so phil you're the first one i saw uh, you you brought this to my attention thanks to your very wonderful ministry on social media. So you saw this and, we, and I call it that, I call it that. Now when you saw this it, it what did what did this do to you? I mean as the, the basic idea here is that so much in the last 10 years has happened through a large church ministry that has dominated the music that's used in local churches. Tell me your first kind of gut reaction to this Phil.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, um, we have become accustomed, I think a lot of things, as I was thinking about these, the, this topic, that we've become accustomed to a few things, and uh, I was trying to think in my mind, like, what does this say about us, and uh, one of the things it says is that just as a society, we've become accustomed to high production value on recordings, uh, and so um, you know you go back 100 years ago or, or however long ago I keep I, I was like 25 years ago that I was like no I'm, I'm really old I'm getting older it's it's longer than that 100 years ago uh, how we found our music you know how we chose our songs was a lot different than we choose today you know the the process by which they got got into the mainstream of our worship was a lot different and and so um, obviously I think um, you know with that high standard of of Production value on the recordings of songs and the way in which the the curators of our of our Sunday mornings, you know, find the music is is by that a lot of times. And so um, it it just by nature, if you have money, you're able to produce a better recording. So if you're a bigger church, you have more money and you're able to pay your musicians. And so it just goes, you know, it it builds off of money. I think that, that sounds a little cynical. But um, I, that was my first thought. But then my second thought was, there is no way that, you know, God is so creative. Uh, there's no way that all of the songwriters are, are at these few churches. You know, there, there's so yeah. many spread out. Uh, good songs are spread out all over the world. And so it actually was very challenging to me. And I thought, OK, I need to make more of an effort to see what else is out there and and, and use some of the other songs that these little artists are, uh, are producing. So that yeah. was, that was my first.
0: Like it, it was a challenge to you. like to make sure you're doing what you can to get this out there. Now, Jonathan, you just went through a process where you took a couple thousand years and tried to bring it into one <laughs> hymnal. Right. So like the idea of curating material is important to you. And so like wh- when you, when you first saw this and you interacted with this a little earlier, you had access to the research a little sooner. Tell me what, how, how did it hit you at first, Jonathan?
3: Well, there's a few things. Um, the, um, you know, one of the main driving forces behind these songs that are coming out and that are, yeah, I, I think the, uh, there are 38 songs that have appeared on the top 25 CCLI over the past five years. Right. Is where this has come out of, right? Like this research. And so um, one that shows that we're not singing a whole lot of different songs over the course of right. five years. <laughs> like only 38 pop up. And 36 of those came from these four churches, right? Like that's that's kind of the thrust of this article and this research that's happened. Um, and another piece of it is the reason that those are so popular and being put out so much is because there's a market driving, there's a music market beneath this. Right. Um, it's not just that, you know, thousands of churches across America happen to discover Hillsong at the same time. It's right. because of something pushing it. You know, there's a market behind it. There's a um, an industry that's actually pushing it in some ways. Um, and I, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Just saying that's the reality. It's what's happening here, um, and and it's really pushing these these four churches in particular. And um, and there are, um, uh, you know, I, I agree with exactly with what Phil is saying. <laughs> like, there's a lot more songwriters out there, but there's also a draw in these churches to try to like. Kind of get the prominent songwriters the ones that are in the, with the labels you know labels are kind of connecting them to these churches and getting them to do co-writes together and getting them in a kind of a um a collective of some sort um with that church um so um so so you have a market that's driving it um in um in some ways and so it's it's um it's kind of its own curation process right um like um they're they're putting together people and they're putting together um yeah songwriters and um uh and 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 trying to find um what is going to be marketable what is going to be sung what can we find you know is is it i mean exactly as phil was saying the production quality the sound of it and all that um but what you don't see driving it is is like theology um You know, there's there's a there's a narrow, limited theological perspective in it. For instance, saying like so much of the songs out of those 36, there was a lot of focus on the resurrection, which is not bad. Of course, you know, we, we're in Easter season right now. Like this right. is what we are celebrating. That's who we are. We stand on the other side of the resurrection. That's good. And the freedom that comes with it, which is good as well, a lot of those tend to be very personalized. You know, um, there's not a cosmic sense of it necessarily um maybe but um but it it tends to be a lot more personalized um and uh and there's not a lot of sitting with the cross there might be a passing reference to the cross but there's not a lot of sitting with the cross as you'll see in like older gospel um american gospel songs for instance um there's not a lot of focus on you know let's say from a, a, a coming from a wesleyan background myself um, not a lot of focus on sanctification, which is not, you know, I mean, even reform, that's important in reform um, theology as well, but um, not a lot of focus on sanctification, um, not a lot of focus on redemption of creation, um, for instance, um, you know, the uh, creation care, even um, the stewardship there, not a lot of focus on mission or witness or kind of admonition, you know, for others to, uh, um, to join in this, you know, it's, it, 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 it's very personalized um, and and not necessarily how it sends us out to, uh, to do more, um, and to bring, John, up- let
0: me jump in there. Cause like this critique, isn't necessarily something that you're saying, like, and you can look at past conversations I've had with Jonathan about music and worship. It's you're not criticizing necessarily praise and worship music as a whole. No, this is, this is particularly these songs that have risen to the top these 36 of the 38.
3: Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it is to say, um, None of these themes, you know, freedom, resurrection. That's not bad. It's just that when there's nothing else, you know, yeah,
0: sure, sure. Um,
3: that that that's the and so that's going to become the predominant theology that is understood and known in the songs and what's going to then uh, form the piety, um, the the worship piety and the um, the mindset. You know, um, if we understand music as prayers to God and and kind of uh, an understanding of of who God is too. You know, it it. Um, Our our visions limited there's no lament for instance you know like nowhere in there is there any Mm -hmm. sense of lament um and sorrow when when um you know in in kentucky we just had these shootings in louisville and the past week we have had two major shootings in louisville and um you know when a group is faced like that like there's a certain hope and beauty in these songs but there's also um you know there's how how do you help somebody sit in that sorrow and and grief Yeah. yeah Um, So yeah, nothing wrong with that, but like with the, to, to go to the hymnal, you know, that was saying like, we want to curate, we want to hit a lot of different theological themes, have a breadth, um, and to say, this can walk you through all the emotions, uh, the full scriptural Christianity, you know, um, not just one piece of it, but the full scriptural Christianity is embodied within this, the full narrative. um, And there's some good ones that, you know, even in the songs that appear on that list that have good narrative quality to them,
0: but I read uh, some of them here in just a second. Um, Randy, you had an interesting piece too, because you also like took this as a bit of a challenge as a songwriter, as somebody who's had, I mean, beyond just your local church, your songs are, are, are in hymnals, songbooks, um, sung all over the world. But you, you took, I think your third point was interesting of what you were, if you remember what that third point was, Randy, what was, what was that you were sharing about how you think about other people's music?
2: Well, now you're, now you're getting me. Uh, uh, Oh man, sorry. No, 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 it's all right. I, I think my, uh. So I, I wrote, wrote it basically to worship songwriters, to worship leaders, and then to, um, to the listener or to our, our congregations, which was basically a, an invitation for people to explore greater amounts of expression. Uh, I feel like what we get here is a very narrow sort of genre of music that's being represented Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't really fully capture the 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 immensity of God's creative spirit, and um, and that's what I, I kind of I miss in, in seeing these four or five different churches that you'll hear a very almost homogenous sound uh, wow. to that, it, and and that's that's what my concern is when when music is so much it's more broad it it has so many different ways of being expressed. And and frankly, you know, kind of to jump off Phil's point, it's the this idea that, uh, I mean, cynically, what I would say is most publishers uh, want someone in the room. So Phil isn't going to be able to walk into a publisher and say, here's my song. I want you to use it because they don't have any part in that. It's, mm-hmm. it's Phil's song. Phil is the one who self-publishes it. He's the one who wrote it. it without somebody from that publishing house in that room, they don't have an ownership stake in it, so they want co-rights with people from their publishing house, so they can have a stake. Now, positively, what I would tell you, I was at a Maverick City concert. I took we took students and our worship team together to a Maverick City concert, uh, which is one of the sort of one of those big groups that is affiliated with this whole right. whole article. Uh, one of the beautiful things about it was there was a common hymnody. That was being sung by churches and people of all races, uh, and a very diverse group. As a matter of fact, at one point they were asking how old people were. There were people there in their eighties as well as in their teens, um, and and so there's something beautiful about that 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 we've established a common hymnody. But as a as a pastor who sees himself as one of of uh, spiritual formation, that one of my responsibilities in worship is yeah. to be spiritually forming people. It can't be this narrow. It has to be. It has to be like Jonathan is talking about a much broader conversation about the different aspects of, of all of theology as well as all of life. What it looks like to live as a Christian in this world.
0: Yeah, we were missing that. Phil, could you describe like what's going on musically? Like, how? What are some words that people could? Uh, some language you could give people to help understand. Like, why does why do these sound these songs sound similar? Like, what is it about this?
1: Oh, man. Oh, it's it, Oh, man. That's a That's a whole discussion. Not then it's on its own, but the music of it and you go. Oh. I'm
0: sorry. i maybe took it too no, 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 but no, no. It's
2: Phil, wouldn't you say that it has a lot to do with the production values? Like the way in which we're producing music is kind of like this squashed sort of way. You know, when you go into a studio to record something, it's like, oh, this is how so and so recorded it. I mean wouldn't that you yeah. say that's kind of the there, there are
1: yeah I definitely think that's one element of it and as well alongside of that the just the the musical uh you know there's uh, you go back you know to 10 20 years ago and like uh, like there just as one example the the four over the four chord over five, like was in everything. And, and it was just like, you know, that, that was just, it's, you can tell it's in that style of music and, and you listen to like some of the old vineyard stuff is in that style of music. There's something I call a, uh what a beautiful name effect that has been in, in a, I, I sort of see it on the way out now, but it's that four, five, six, one over three, you there's like a hundred worship songs right now within it. Uh, and it's just like, it. Get, I, don't, I don't know how quite to describe it, except for that it creates a certain feeling and songwriter gravitate. Now, that can be helpful because just like we had a shared, um, you know, uh, lyrical language, a shared musical language helps people to get on the same page. But if you, you sort of get stuck in a rut after a while, and um, there's definitely much more out there than four, five, six, and one over three. Uh, <laughs> we, do
0: get, we do get caught in that sometimes. Yeah. Well, thanks for the little bit of music theory there, too, for us. But there is something that that a lot of times maybe somebody can't even identify what that is. They don't know that language, but they know there's something about it. I mean, the songs. Here's one of the interesting things that I I had a conflict in my own mind and heart as I work through these songs is I like a lot of these songs. (laughs) That's the that's the challenge. Like, I enjoy it. But then when I hear Jonathan, that critique about um the the nature of the theology and the limited scope in the, behind that theology and then i think about the great music phil and randy that you have produced that you've written that's impacted my life and i think i don't want my generation to miss these my, my kids generation to miss the type of things that can be produced in these other places so here's just a few of the songs forever we sing hallelujah the goodness of god great are you lord holy spirit you're welcome here king of my heart living hope i mean all these things are are fairly familiar and we think like if these are good songs like why not just give good songs people i mean jonathan i mean for instance in the hymnal that you've helped edit there are quite a bit of charles wesley songs i mean what's the problem with it? is it is what's different about this than uh singing a lot of charles wesley songs
3: yeah um yeah that's a good question um and, and i mean to to that point a number of the songs you just named are in the hymnal. Living Hope, right. King of Kings. You know, I mean, we put a lot of these in the hymnal too. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's showing that there's some there's some beauty to it. You know, um, Charles Wesley. Um, you know, um, part of what he's doing is this pastoral piece. You know, he, he's a pastor. He's he's with people. Um, he, he's visiting people in prisons. He's do, like his work is to be more than a professional musician. You know. Right. Um, there's a real pastoral, sin. and so that's that's coming out in in his writing too. Um, how do I begin to help people understand the beauty of the the gospel? This and and uh, he has a song called "Thou Hidden Source of Calm Repose," which he wrote to Methodist pastors as they were facing um, just uh, uh, animosity as they went out to preach and to minister. You know, just to let them know, look, there's a hidden source of calm repose that you can, you know. Mm-hmm. You know um, and there's something beautiful to it you know um uh th- th- there's a richness to it and so you know we want to capture those and say like there's 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 a depth to it so you know here's here's something um yeah. even for um for christian music you know it it didn't um it started off pretty simple i mean there there was some complexity we can look at the bible and say you've got like the the christ hymn in philippians 2 right you know? so there's some complexity to that but then you look at the the hymns coming out of the book of Revelation, they're pretty short and repetitive, you know. <laughs> um, the 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 only thing that we hear the heavenly host singing in the book of Isaiah, pretty short and repetitive, you know. Um, and so there's something to that, you know. Say, like some of these can be an okay, there's nothing wrong the with Holly A chorus, right? The holiday, I just brought that one up the other day. <laughs> Actually, yeah, very there's not a lot to it. But um there's um there's some to say these can be good starting points, um, but maybe not an ending point. You know, it's what we've been talking about. We've got to expand out like this can be a fine starting point for us. Let me give an example here, if that's OK. Yeah. Um, so I'm at Asbury and we just had a major thing happen here in Wilmore. Right. A couple months ago. <laughs> you know, um, as part of that, a lot of the songs we were singing were the songs on this list.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
3: what they allowed for it, So but here's what happened. There were no screens the entire time. There were no screens used the entire time um that that we had this outpouring you know so you're looking at two weeks of a whole lot of singing with never putting words on a screen um the other part of it is there were never set lists developed you know I was helping coordinate musicians and get people um uh kind of cycled in and out you know of the music leadership there on on some of the days and it wasn't like hey put your set list together and go practice it rehearse it get up there and go it was like no you're going to a prayer room and then you're getting up there and you got to figure out do music you know but the thing is like because of these patterns and because of these simple kind of repetitive you know that there was a homogen you know a homogeny to them easy to flow into one song out of one song into another and to kind of keep that going and to kind of keep that you know kind of allow something to be there um and then everyone saw kind of expand out and go into how great thou art all of a sudden yeah. you know, <laughs> and um something else but but there are two things happening Uh, it was that common hymnody, the lyricism yeah a lot of people knew the songs because they were the ones that they knew you know yeah Um, and so we didn't need the screens um the music allowed it to just kind of sit there just kind of be there um but even people that didn't know them were able to catch on pretty quickly a lot of times to them um but i saw it as a starting point i thought this is great but these can't be the only songs we sing for the rest of our lives you know it's beautiful this but Um, it should be driving us then and that's what I've seen here at Asbury is students saying I have all this inside of me I'm ready to get out like I want to start writing songs I want to start you know expressing what I've been wrestling with myself and that's beautiful it's inspiring something and and saying I've got all this theology I'm learning in the classroom I have this experience of this outpouring and I, I want to let it out now and to share it with people however I can whatever that means and so you know, yeah. I think it's beautiful and say, you know, might not be in the market there, but it can be good for the church, can be good for our campus, good for you yeah. as your work and things. So Brandy, one of
0: the things you likely this Sunday, you're putting together a praise team, a team from your church to serve your church. And you're you know, you mentioned like serving a congregation. I mean, isn't it Almost it's not just easy, but it, it works to use songs that are on the radio and that people know. How do you deal with that tension with there? There's that reality, but yet you yeah. like to use Phil songs and maybe some of your own songs or people other songs like maybe the ones Jonathan's are, that is mentioning that are coming out of experience and discipleship.
2: Yeah. And, and you're hitting on probably our, our greatest struggle, which is uh, we want, so we believe uh, liturgy, which is the work of the people to be truly participatory. So for it to be truly participatory, we have to have a language that we share. And so um, one of the easy ways to do that is to say, okay, what, what's popular you know, and and then grab from that. Right. So we, we do a little bit of that, but I think there's also another value and a calling that we have, which is to give people good meat. Um, And so if that means that I'm having to teach something one week so that we can learn this and, and gather it, you know, the, some of the harder songs to sing, like for instance, Matt Boswell, and Matt Papa have written some really great hymnody. Uh, They've got a song called uh, Christ, our hope in life and death. Right. Uh, But it's not a real easy song to sing. So you've got to take time to kind of teach it and train it and and then allow that to come out of your congregation. So I think the thing for me is what I've started to lean more toward is how, how am I voicing my congregation? So when I'm writing songs, how am I voicing what their prayers reflect or the theology of my church, mm-hmm. not, not specifically my church. I don't mean like we have a separate theology than everybody else, but what reflects yeah. the values of my church that, that we could sing? And so right. how can I write that for, for us? Um, and then uh, what's the best of the best and how can I bring that all in? We've actually recently been singing a great song that that Phil wrote um, recently called As I Wait, which is all based on Psalm 40. It's just a really great song, by the way, Phil. Uh, you haven't released that yet, yeah? Have you? No, yeah, that's not thought. Anyway, uh, so
0: sign up for Phil's email list. So, so you can find out about that. Yeah. So
2: for me, so for me, it's finding the best of the rest and and, and exposing people to to that stuff as well. Uh, so I I'm maybe I'm a little because I'm a full time guy. And right. this is what I've devoted my life to. Maybe I have more time than other people do to like put their sets together. Cause I know that one of the movements right now within churches is hiring part-time worship leaders, sure. or for that matter, we have a company here in town that hires them out each week to different churches. Like, oh my, yeah. Uh, you don't have a worship leader this week. Oh, well, we've got a guy who can come in and do that for you. Um, well, so, you know, they, they have to, yeah, make it up as they go along, you know, So, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is it's uh, is that it's because it it can be itinerant and it can also be part timers that what we have is them pulling from that common language that they believe everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And so I can take the time and I can train my people to sing really good songs and participate in worship that way. But I'm not sure that that's true of every church.
0: Yeah, yeah. Randy, I think about when you're saying some of this, you think about responding to your local congregation and responding to the, to these needs. I'm just going to call out a period from a long time ago where you <laughs> did this. You, you, forgive the trip down memory lane. It's I'm sorry. not going to talk about when Jonathan wore baggy jeans and his band that I used to listen to in college. So, oh, I just did. No, but I remember particularly like a CBLI, uh, uh, which was a, a Bible camp that I went to where you served as a worship leader. Mm-hmm. and. On a Sunday morning, and actually my grandfather was there preaching, I remember like it was a holiness message, a straight up like second work of grace sort of holiness message. But you came, and uh, that evening, you said, I was wrestling at this all afternoon, and um, you came and you presented a song. And and there's a way, and we all sang it, and became kind of like a uniting Song for us in that period for that group of teenagers. Right. But there's a way it's like that song is so special to me, right? Right mm-hmm. now, like I want I say that's in in, in now. It's in the Savage Army songbook, right? And right. it's in it's all over the world. And I want to say, whoa, 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 that that's mine. You know, I I was I was there, I was a part of this. Now, what that did is it created an environment where you were leading people, and I think that maybe that's part of what we miss by going to these commercialized sort of moments.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and what I would tell you is that song, I'm, I'm not specifically sure which song it is you're talking about, but- To Be Holy, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, Fan the Flame. I, I think that's it. Okay, so so that song and some of the others that I wrote specifically for that encampment, uh, they used to have time and a place for them, for me. And I have a harder time leading some of them in my current setting because- they 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 served this group of people so beautifully and and yeah so but that's a that's another conversation but i really truly do believe in the voicing of your local people i think there's something really beautiful about it and i'd love phil to talk a little bit about the church he's currently at because they've very much i believe you guys are focusing on that is that right phil that a lot of what the way in which you guys are leading one another kind of comes from that
0: yeah
1: yeah, we have a really interesting, uh, uh, not a large church, but, um, definitely have probably, you know, we, we've got like three or four or five worship leaders, but we usually do, uh, we have a lot of songwriters and we have, um, uh, for this season, for as long as I've been there, which has only been two years, um, we don't have band. We, it's usually a solo person leading worship. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes there will be an ad hoc team, you know, we'll get up and play, but we definitely value, there's a high value on songs that God has given to the writers of the church. So there's also a high value uh, on, and I know this is not possible in every church, but we have a high value placed on lingering and, and giving people time. So we start off with an hour of worship uh, we we, like just an hour of worship. Um, and it gives people time. I know we're not talking about that, this, this podcast, but that's the soapbox that I'm on lately is just giving people time to get into. We're really good. I think in some of, in, in a lot of the, um, many of the Methodist congregate, maybe it's not just methods, but my experience is we're, we're really good at programming things, but we're not really great at allowing people that, that time to just sit. And that's a um, that's a different thing than a lot of churches I've been in. But what it does is it'll, it it allows people to get into it. And I think, I think that is also very conducive to songs that come from your own people because you can do them three, four times in, in that hour. You can you can teach people and there's not a high value on everything fitting into a, like this you know, this rigid structure and I'm not anti-production, but I really think the pendulum can, ser- it would serve us well as a church for it to swing the other way a little bit. And I think Asbury's, the thing that happened at Asbury recently is a really good example of the hunger that is there for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jonathan, I, that I mean, you question. teach
0: how people, how to help plan worship, like what some ways that we can balance that out, what Phil and Randy are talking about here.
3: Yeah, there's a few things. and I, I really appreciate that, that word on lingering too. It's funny because we talk about that and people automatically go to like maybe a charismatic or a, you know, a contemporary setting and everything. The first place I ever experienced that was in an Eastern Orthodox church. Huh. You go and they chant for like an hour before the service ever starts and you walk in and you just pray and you sit and you, you know, so it's, yeah, I just think it's funny because most of the time people think, you know, way over here. But it's like, you know, first time I ever experienced actually was over here. Um, so it's neat. Um yeah, when planning and thinking of um of of you know different uh, different ways to um bring in music, even just as Randy was saying, you know, um we can go to the familiar ones to help people sing and to um uh, to come in, but to say um how do we stretch out beyond that so it's not just plug and play we're going to play the songs that we like or you know that seem popular or that are interesting to us right now but to say there's a whole treasury you know why are we going to limit ourselves there's a whole treasury and um and and how do these songs um draw us deeper into the whole of what's happening in worship so i usually say there's four s's that i look at um when like personally if i'm thinking of music in worship there's four s's i kind of work through and um that's scripture, like what is the scripture or the series, you know, like the the what what are we in right now? But um as an Anglican, you know, it's like I know what we do the lectionary, so I I could tell you what we're gonna be preaching on in August, you know, <laughs> and so I can go ahead and sit in those. But as a song leader, I need to I, I sit, I I read those scriptures, um, you know, before I choose music. And I, I don't always know what the pastor's gonna preach on, but I'm sitting in those scriptures myself when I'm choosing music. So scripture is one. Um, and then season, what season of the church are we in? So we're in Easter right now, you know. And I know not everybody follows the liturgical calendar, but to say, how do we begin to think through some of these things and to look at where we are? And so we're in Easter right now. We've just had Easter. And so Christ our hope and life and death, we sang that this past Sunday, yesterday. You know, it was our, our last song yesterday. Um, so um, you know, something like that, just to say, all right, what are good songs that really help us focus on the resurrection? Well and not just these out here, but what are other ones that we can bring in? Kind of look at all these songs that look at Easter and the resurrection. So scripture, season, um, and then um, structure. Where are we in the service? You know, so if it's this lingering, like what songs really help in letting us linger and to sit in this lingering place for a while? Um, We're about to hear scripture read. What songs might help uh, invite us into hearing the scripture like the Gettys, you know speak, O Lord um, or um, you know word of God speak or how firm a foundation I mean just you know I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but um, where are we in the service? you know are we in more of a responsive time? are we in a um, in more of a gathering time? are we in the you know are we celebrating Eucharist or whatever is, is it sending you know, we're about to go forth? What's sending us forth well And so um, scripture, and then, um, season of, of the year, and then structure where we are in the structure, and then um, setting. And this is what um has, has just been talked about like, wh- where am I? I mean, this is what Randy was even saying. This song, I, I don't feel like this is the setting for it. you. Know? <laughs> this it was so fitting over here, but not here, or even as I said, you know, um, uh, it, this isn't necessarily affecting us as deeply as I'm, I have friends in Louisville. Um, who've been more affected by the shootings and things, but to say that that's where we are right now, you know, yeah. um, maybe this isn't the time for us to sing these particular songs as maybe an escapism, but it's it's these songs that we really need to sit with right now. We're we're in a particular setting or even cultural setting, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, I tried to do bluegrass in Uganda one time that did not work. um Just <laughs> yeah. you class. might
0: not want to sing that Jesus loves like a hur- hurricane after somebody's been through a tr- true hur- hurricane, right?
3: Right. 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 Yeah. So know you're setting. Um, so yeah. those things kind of things kinda, and, I, and I see them working as fingers on a hand. It's not like systematic. I go through them, but they all work together. You know, um, they're all working together um, at all times and they can start to expand us to say, oh, we're in the season of Advent or even it's like we don't know what that means. We're preparing for Christmas. What are some songs that help us prepare well for Christmas, you know, and yeah. not just like get us right there, you know uh automatically but yeah, whatever it might be um but how do all these work together right um, and not just say well, we're going to just do it by this or just pick the songs that are popular or easy. yeah
0: uh, randy like you you have anything to add to on like kind of like the, the the piece of what we do now like how we can counter some of these challenges like in, in our own planning and in the way that we lead people
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and just to go back and say, okay, these four churches are doing this or we're, we're specifically singing these, these four, and and we could go back and understand why that would be, there's money behind it. There's, I mean, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, there are some Hillsong folks who ended up buying CCLI's Song Select. Um, So there's some, even some question about like how are these songs being presented to us when we go into look for songs in that that app that we use all use to register our songs and so on and so forth and so because of that um it, the countering for me is really more along the lines of understanding the the theology that you want to impart on your people um, and finding good songs that fit them that So, so what I say in, in terms of like these specific churches is find the best of the best and just leave the rest. I mean, you, you don't need to, don't need to be just singing their songs. And, and I mean, we could get into talking about, about some specific theology that's even being taught at a couple of these churches that sure, we might sure. go, Whoa, uh, is this where I want to be pointing my people to go listen mm-hmm. to songs that capture who God is, I'm not sure in some cases that's true. Um, and so I want to be very, very, very careful about understanding both the source and the content, the substance. so i I don't need to i yeah, I need to be very careful in terms of like what am I teaching my people through the songs that we're singing and 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 the and the who behind it and then. If, if, that, if I'm not going to choose from there, then let me find some some good resources and some good places to find them, people I trust. And I said this in that post, look, for, look around you at the resources that we've got, vast resources in terms of trust, like I trust Phil. And so if I hear a new song from Phil, I'm going to trust that, it, you know, f- from the heart from which it came, but also the theology that's underneath that. But I also know that songs have been vetted for centuries for us. And we've had all the songs, the bad songs have been weeded out for us already from two or 300 years ago. They don't, we don't hear them. And so the real question is find some sources where they've already been vetted and yeah. and and find some people, like I'm sure that this hymnal that Jonathan's, there are, there have been a lot of voices in putting that together and they've vetted very heavily the content of that songbook. That's why there's value in our songbooks and hymn books because somebody has gone to that, all that work. So if you're a single, if you're a single pastor out on your own seek those kind of places where you can get some other feedback. So it's not just your own echo uh, chamber in terms of like what you're choosing.
0: And it's so much more than fast, so slow, fast, right. Or like setting up songs, like let's, let's really bring it down in the mood. Why? Right. No, I'm, I'm
2: with Jonathan. I build my service in in the fourfold worship you know, uh that Robert Weber taught, which is gathering word table or response and sending. And so I'm building my service in that sort of rhythm. And so I'm well, what are songs that really help gather people? Uh what are songs that help prepare them to hear from the word of God? You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of that kind of work in the leadership that I'm doing.
0: Well and I again commend to you everybody, um not just the folks on this pot, but those who are listening to this, go back and check the podcast out that I did with Jonathan. I think I even did two about our Redeemer's praise. And this, this has resources, you know, across like from the first century, all the way up to 2020. And so it really, cut. Co- and Randy, forgive me if I didn't get one of your songs in there. Uh, I, I kind of represented the Salvation Army on this committee and, uh, was able to bring in, uh, I did get all that I am, a, a song really? of bills or two. And then, uh, uh, and then uh, Albert Osborne, a couple of the other cl- classic songs, but but it's, it's that same thing. Like this is a vetting process. This is a process whereby we're setting something up. And one of the interesting thing, I'm just going to make a observation as a preaching professor before we go here, I want to have everybody close out and Phil, I'll have you go first. I'm not even going to ask you a specific question, but I just want you to say whatever else I haven't asked you or what you'd like to say. But as a preaching professor, I find it interesting that probably these four churches and their preachers. Probably have content that is making its way into churches as well when people need to be reading wider and thinking differently about how they preach. I think it's probably harder to assess that. But of course, there's I have a whole unit on plagiarism in my intro to preaching class because of these same issues. So those of you who are preachers, you have looking down your nose at the musicians for this at this point, uh, don't do it. Okay. Phil, what closest? Uh, uh, go. We'll go around, but I want to start with you and just get some last words before we have to go.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, thank thanks, Andy. It's it's a fascinating. I think it. I mean, this deserves even more uh, uh, conversation and yeah. discussion. Um, I think. I, I think a, a couple of things. I think, as I have, you know, been leading worship now for um, 20, 25 years. And have just realized that that's really helpful. Actually, just the reminder of uh, that that both Jonathan and Randy shared about the the structure of of choosing songs for worship. And I know that it's different in different denominations. For instance, I've already mentioned we have a high value. Randy and I have had a discussion about this. We have a high value where we are uh, of experience and of of people experiencing not. Not that that means other places don't, but but that's a high value for us. And so the lingering is is uh, what we what we spend a lot of time doing, just because we find in our context that there, you know, um, and I think it's probably common in a lot of places. There's just a lot of emotional hurt that people need to know that there's a that the Holy Spirit has real love for them. not not that it always has to be felt, but it, in a lot of times in our context people need to just sit and come into contact with a God and hear over and over to them that God loves them. You're loved by God. You're held by God. You're forgiven by God. God's great covers your sin. Like there's a lot of that where we are. Um, and so, yeah, but that, but again, that's context, right? That's knowing your people. That's knowing what the Lord and listening to reading the scripture, listening to what the Holy spirit is saying for your people in that season. Um, where i am that's where that's where it is right now so that's what i'd say
0: yeah and phil I, I don't know if i gave a proper commercial for it you didn't ask for this but you had some you had a song that just came out recently you want to give us a little
1: speaking summary. speaking of which uh speaking of people needing to know that they're loved the first track of my new ep is called you are loved and uh it's great, uh, yeah
2: that's great song incredible song it,
1: yeah, it's not, it's not exactly a worship song, but the EP is just a three song EP. It's called, Um, let the, let the listener, let the Bible scholar listener uh, hear and understand where that comes from. Uh, Andy, where did it come
0: from? I missed the word that you said. Co- Kohelet. Oh, forgive me. I don't know. I'm not, uh, not a historian, man. historical theologian. not okay. A Bible scholar. We'll
1: forgive you. It's the Hebrew word for the preacher in Ecclesiastes. And the themes of the oh, okay. CP are three songs from the book of Ecclesiastes. It is now available everywhere you find your music.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that good commercial and for putting me on the spot. Now I have to go back to Hebrew. My, <laughs> boss, my boss, who is a Hebrew scholar, is going to get on to me. Okay, Randy, what do you have to say? Close, uh, close this out before we go to Jonathan. So uh,
2: famously, or not so famously, Keith Getty did a, an interview on CBS this morning, uh, many years ago. And he said this, he said, uh, the, the bad, the good news is preachers, no matter how bad your sermon is, the last thing people will remember is the hymn, <laughs> that, hymn that you sing as, as <laughs> you leave. he said, however, the bad news is that the, yeah. the thing people are going to remember is the last hymn we sing. Right, right. So no matter how good you are, that's what they're going to remember. And so I, I, I say to all my worship pastors and people selecting music you have a huge responsibility because you are teaching people the Bible and mm-hmm. teaching people about who God is and how you can experience Him um, by the songs that we sing.
0: Yeah, beautiful. That is a good reminder, Andy. Yeah. Jonathan.
3: Yeah, one of the things that really stands out to me when um, we have um, you know four churches that are. Uh, producing and and really influencing the majority of the music sung in churches is that the marginalized become further marginalized Mm
1: -hmm.
3: um, in uh, both songwriters, song content, whatever that is. Um, Minority voices are not considered um, and and continue to not have a voice. Um, And so um, some of those perspectives even, you know, um, uh, I think Maverick City is doing a better job at bringing in um, some things, uh, that we've not had over the last few decades, sure. not much longer than that, but, um, you know, what, what do we need to be hearing from the black church actually in terms of, um, music, uh, music styles, but also just the content, the prayers, what prayers are they offering that they can help us in our own prayer life, um, yes. Yes. Uh, through music, uh, um, in particular and, uh, and, and, and we don't, Um, hear their prayers uh, in in that way. And, um, and and that's concerning. And, um, and I think that's something we need to pay attention to and to say, you know, there is an onus on us then to, to, to do even more work, to discover those resources that are, that aren't even natural to us or um, easily accessible maybe, but to, um, to hear those voices, to hear those perspectives And to know how to rightfully bring them into our congregations, it's not just a complete overhaul or, you know, avoid tokenism, especially, but to, uh, um, but to say there's meaningful ways we need to hear these, these prayers and these voices, and to allow them a place um, in our worship as well, um, to, to, to have at least a space
0: there. um, Yeah, to begin to hear. That's great, Jonathan. And and I'll say, just those of you who are in administrative positions and you have opportunities to release money, this is an opportunity for you to encourage people, like to encourage people to write songs, um, to contact people like Phil and Randy to uh, to commission them to write pieces, write songs for a work. If you're planning ahead enough and you know you have a worship series coming up, you know to do that and to encourage young musicians um make sure that these things are happening. I mean, one of the things about the tradition that I came from in the Salvage Army was they encourage music. Now sadly, I know Randy's really disappointed there's no brass band music on this list uh no. <laughs> but ne- nevertheless like like we come from this, these these traditions that that encourage music education music education can something that can happen through the life of the church so i just want to encourage people to think about those things well i also want to thank my three friends for coming on and helping me think through this i encourage you to wherever you're watching or listening to this to subscribe like whatever you have to do to kind of follow these podcasts more i know that phil might use this maybe others will use this and in class jonathan you might use it in a class or something so Wherever this is going, we're thankful for this time. And I thank you guys for coming along and joining us.